0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Alley. Our guest this week is Illinois 13th District Congressman Rodney Davis. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. America's crop insurance industry provides individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Congressman Rodney Davis. Next. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Illinois 13th District Representative Rodney Davis has been selected to serve on the Farm Bill Conference Committee. Davis says the state of the ag economy warrants timely approval of the new bill. He supports free trade but isn't a fan of tariffs. He respects President Trump's intent to stand up for U.S. farmers and industry.
1: The president had to do something when it came to countries like China decimating our steel industry. Now, I think many is in, in his administration have gone too far when it comes to punishing countries where we have trade surpluses, even in steel, like Canada and some of our allies. And, and I hope to send the message to the president his administration that we got to be very careful. If you want to focus on the bad actors, America and America's farmers are going to be behind you. If you're going to create a trade war that's going to adversely impact the same rural American farmers that helped put you in office... Um, it's not going to be something that's supported by the people who supported the president and this administration.
0: Is this a point that you think could have an effect in the midterm election or one that would have when the presidential election comes back around?
1: Well, let's hope it has no effect, Jeff. I mean, that's my, my goal is to make sure that we come up with some solutions that, that don't begin to affect our farmers any more than they're, they're looking at now. As you you got to look at some of the farmers that, that I serve. Um, and I was just with a, a group of ag leaders who make up one of my state legislators' ag advisory boards a couple weeks ago. And as I'm talking about my worry on the tariffs impact Illinois agriculture, um, I asked them to raise their hand and asked them if they, if they thought the president was doing the right thing and would come out with a better deal. And all but two hands raised in that room. There's a lot of faith in this president and this administration in rural America, but the president and this administration have to begin showing results, and that's the key.
0: In your district, you have both agriculture and industry. Are they reacting with the same message and the same attitude?
1: Well, clearly the steel industry is, is happy about the initial tariffs that has helped the steel industry, but I think many, even the domestic steel in- industry, have to be concerned about the global supply of steel to go into overall products, our manufacturing sector is concerned. Our farmers are clearly concerned. That's why it makes it even that much more important, Jeff, to pass this farm bill, and make sure that we have that safety net that's there for our farmers who take a risk for them and their families every single year when they decide to plant a crop, hope to get enough water and sunshine to make it grow, and it's growing really well in Illinois right now. But they need to have a marketplace to sell that product once they get it out of the ground and. And that's what I think many are worried about because it's clearly what I'm worried about.
0: Not only do we have the tariffs that are in place and the retaliation by other countries, but now the president is considering expanding those tariffs, perhaps even up to half a trillion dollars with China, adding automobiles and auto parts. Is your message any different to the administration as they consider even further expanding tariffs?
1: My administration has been nothing but consistent since day one. Something had to be done with steel because 2,000 steel workers lost their jobs because of unfair trade with China in the southwest portion of my district. But let's focus, my message has been, focus on the bad actors like China. Let's not punish our allies and our friends. Let's not disrupt trade agreements that are working in America's favor. And uh, I certainly hope the administration is going to continue to, to listen. Uh, but I, I want to see results. The president and his administration believe that the farmers and those in rural America who who put him in the the office are supporting his measures on trade. He needs to show them and, and us results, and I have yet to see those results, except for steel.
0: What if this is an extended trade war, per se, with China or with other partners? What if this goes on more than three or six or nine months?
1: I think you're going to see an impact on the economy, and I don't think it'll be a good impact. Look at the economic growth we have right now. When we were discussing and debating tax reform, even the economists, leading economists, said we could get 3% growth over the next uh, few quarters. Well, we've exceeded that. You know, you're sitting over at 4%. Uh, the econo- the economy is, is just booming. My fear is that any global trade war will impact that economic growth and impact what we see right now is the lowest unemployment in my lifetime. Last time we had 3.8% unemployment, I'm 48 years old, Jeff. It was in 1969, the year before I was born. We have more jobs available in this country than we have people on unemployment. And at the same time we have 9 million more people that are on food stamps today when unemployments at 3.8%, than when unemployment was at 9.5%. We got to do a better job of getting people trained, get them into the workforce and keep the economy going, because that's going to be the key. And my fear is any trade war is going to adversely impact that economic growth.
0: As you have suggested, a farm bill important in the eyes of all of our commodity groups. You've been selected by leadership in your chamber to be on the conference committee. What do you expect of this round of negotiations? Do you think it will be as tough as the previous conference committee that brought the 14 bill together?
1: Well, I didn't look at the previous conference committee as tough. I, I I was a freshman. I mean I was I was the only freshman on the committee. I was wide eyed and I was bushy tailed and I I actually was excited to go down and begin negotiating with some of my Senate colleagues and House colleagues and, and that was a great experience. I look at this one as that same opportunity. You and your listeners have heard my frustration over passing this farm bill without any democratic support in our House Agriculture Committee. That showed me that politics sometimes uh, takes over, uh, especially if the Democrats think they have a shot at putting Nancy Pelosi back in the Speaker's chair. They're going to be more lockstep with Nancy Pelosi. I hope that the conference committee is different because we have a plan in the House bill that's going to invest in families who are on SNAP and stuck in the cycle of poverty. We've got a billion dollars a year working through an existing SNAP education and training program that my home state of Illinois gets $20 million a year for now, we're going to give families the flexibility to go out and get training and certification for the jobs that we know are available that will get them off of food stamps and out of poverty, off of Medicaid, and into a good-paying job. I was just with a friend of mine who runs uh, two McLean food distribution centers. They're hiring truck drivers in my hometown of 11,000 people. at seventy grand a year on day one. They can't get enough people to want to apply. We've got more jobs available than people who are unemployed, and let's invest in families who need to get out of the cycle of poverty by giving them a chance to go back and get that training. That's what our bill does, and that's what the Democrats are fighting us on.
0: Let's kick this around just a little bit. In the Senate, you've had both Chairman Roberts and Ranking Member Stabenow who've said no work requirement is going to be able to be approved in that chamber. Uh, In the House, it is said that you won't be able to approve a bill unless there is some sort of a welfare reform piece uh, with regard to nutrition. Uh, Can you take the upper chamber and the lower chamber together in a compromise on an issue as sticky as this?
1: Well, I don't view this as sticky at all. Uh, As a matter of fact, I, I would hope that every member of Congress goes back and talks to their constituents about investing in families who are in poverty. Uh, most of the opposition. It's really ironic. You know, I live in rural America where housing prices, median house prices aren't aren't nearly as high as it is in certain areas of our country where we see most opposition to this. I mean, think about it. Some of my colleagues represent areas uh, in and around, let's say, San Francisco where you have 600 to a million dollar median home, home prices. How is any family on food stamps, ever going to achieve the American dream of owning their own home if they're stuck in the cycle of getting food stamps and government benefits. Let's get them out in the workplace. Let's get them trained to go work at the Tesla factories. Let's get them trained to go work in Silicon Valley. And that's exactly what this bill does. It's less about work requirements and welfare reform than it is about actually following the advice that I got from Republicans and Democrats when I asked how do we get the 9 million more people off of food stamps when we have unemployment at such a low rate, and they said you need to give them chances to go back and get training. We're going to pay for it. We're going to pair them up with jobs. No one's taking anybody off of benefits while they're getting trained. No one's taking anybody off of benefits to to pair them up with a job. We're going to take them off benefits when they're driving a truck and coming home every night and feeding their own family by making $70,000 a year. That's That's the American way. Who's against that?
0: It is an even-numbered year, which shares an election, so not just with the Farm Bill nor with SNAP requirements, but perhaps overall. Are we finding now a, a difficulty in delineating between what's the policy and then the politics?
1: Well, if you sit back and watch it, it's not difficult to delineate that. You can see the policy and you can see the politics. I mean, as, as you saw in the, the House ad committee, the Democrats complained about the process and, and yet didn't offer a single amendment to our farm bill. Not one. I even offered two, and I helped write the bill because I thought I could make it better than what was presented. And those amendments passed unanimously. So you can't complain about a process that you choose not to participate in. That's what governing is all about. That's why I'm excited about the conference committee, Jeff. A conference committee gives us a chance to really come up with solutions. And that's what I I hope to see. I hope the Democrats don't play politics again like they did in committee. And we'll know pretty quick if they're going to. We'll know pretty quick if we're going to have to extend the current farm bill or if we're going to get something new that's going to benefit a lot of producers in a lot of districts throughout this country that are represented by Democrats. And those producers need to have their voices heard. Because if we don't come together on this farm bill then we're only going to get an extension of the 2014 bill that I don't think is best for our producers, regardless of whether you're represented by a Republican like me or a Democrat.
0: If the final policy only includes the fraud and abuse that is in the Senate language, can that find the votes in the House for approval?
1: When we have 9 million more families on food stamps today, with an unemployment rate of 3.8%, then when unemployment was at 9.5% and Democrats and Republicans in the Senate aren't willing to invest a billion dollars a year to help families go get training in our local community colleges and our local apprentice programs, I'm shame on them for not wanting to invest in families who are stuck in the cycle of poverty. If, if somebody wants to, let's say, Jeff, under current law, if, if somebody who's on food stamps today says, you know what, I see McLean Trucking has $70,000 a year truck driving jobs. I want to go to Richland Community College in Decatur, Illinois, and I want to take their eight-week CDL program. It only takes eight weeks to get a driver's license to drive that truck. But they want to go borrow the money from a federally-backed student loan. The federal government says, no, 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 we can't get you out of poverty in eight weeks. You've got to go to school 16 weeks. That's wrong. This is a chance to invest historic amounts of money in existing programs that the states are already working with and ensure that families get a chance to get themselves out of poverty. Why wouldn't the Senate Democrats and Republicans and House Democrats want that to happen?
0: Other differences of the language from the House and the Senate are regarding payments. In the House, yours expands those eligible. In the Senate, if Chuck Grassley had his way, it would contract. How do you resolve that?
1: Um, we're not going to sit and acquiesce to what the Senate wants. I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats doing this. And that's what's great about conference committees. It's really, truly what the American people want us to do. They want us to sit down and and work together. And it's less about Republicans versus Democrats, and sometimes it's more about the House versus the Senate. And in this case, I've got experience working in the last farm bill where we actually got things done. And, And I hope this process is the exact same.
0: For last, our producers pleased, certainly with the House language that included not only the authorization for, but funds for the beginning of the vaccine bank and the Senate-only authorization. How hard will it be for House members to sell the Senate on coming up with dollars?
1: Well, I don't think it's the House members that are going to have the hard time selling the Senate. If those who are interested in making sure we have that, that funding for a vaccine bank to begin, that those producers who are very large presence in many states like Illinois, if they're not calling their senators to tell them, you need to send a message, this vaccine bank is very important, then, then we're going to have a harder time when we're in conference committee. This is the time where your listeners who are interested in ag policy, interested in a vaccine bank, interested in having good common sense fixes that came from listening to, to producers and farmers. And if you're not reaching out to your senators, just like you have me, then we're going to have a more difficult time getting our priorities passed. So now's the time to engage. Do it, and do it often, and make your voice heard.
0: The renewable fuels industry and certainly corn producers concern that the previous leadership in the EPA granted passes on more than 2 billion gallons of renewable fuel. Is there hope for reallocation and finally addressing the E15 waiver? in the new leadership?
1: We certainly hope so. And that's something we've been working with the administration on. I sat down with Secretary Purdue not too long ago, talk about some of the plans. And I'd like to see E15 offered all year round. That's a huge boost to our ag sector. And it also is a national security issue. As we see the price of oil continue to rise, America doesn't need to be beholden to the oil cartels anymore. And we can produce more homegrown fuels. And we, ethanol production has proven that it's safe, it's environmentally friendly, and we also have the opportunity to help our farmers and at the same time reduce our reliance on foreign oil.
0: So new leadership at the EPA and also uh, another face will be on the Supreme Court. How important is that nomination, especially as it pertains to agriculture, for questions that might come, for say, for E15 or for the WOTUS rule or other issues that might come before the upper court?
1: Well, I think we need judges who are not activists, judges who who look at the laws that Congress pass and interpret those laws um, correctly. And I don't know Judge Kavanaugh, but I have heard from people who do that he is not only a very good judge, but he's a very good person and a very good dad. And that means something. That says something about the background of the folks that we want to serve in lifetime appointments like the Supreme Court. Now, you and your listeners know, we in the House, we don't get to vote on the Supreme Court justices. So if you think Brett Kavanaugh is going to make a good Supreme Court justice, call your senators, wherever you are, and tell them to vote for Judge Kavanaugh. Because I do think having a good conservative on the court will help bring a little common sense to our interpretation of the laws, especially when it comes to WOTUS. You look at some of the amazing decisions that have come out of the EPA in the past. Remember, it wasn't too long ago that the EPA wanted to regulate milk spills on dairies the same way we would regulate oil spills. I always ask the question, which one can you clean up with cats? we got to understand that you've got to have a court sometimes say, this is crazy. Let's put a little more common sense into the decisions, and I think Judge Kavanaugh will do that.
0: Judiciary Chair Bob Goodlatte has put a lot of effort into coming up with the new H2C program for immigration reform, especially as it pertains to agriculture workers. You were looking for traction on that bill. Is it the latest that will fail, or is this really a compromise that could find a majority?
1: I'm not optimistic, I'll be honest with you, Jeff. You know that I tried working for a solution. I voted for every immigration solution that we've had put in front of us. I'm a co-sponsor of this bill for the H2C program. I want to see something move. But the sheer fact that the far right and the far left have hijacked the immigration debate means that, that this issue is going to be nothing more than a political issue as we go into this election. And frankly, I, I don't see either side, either far right or far left, uh, allowing a bill to pass before the next presidential election, and that's sad, because if you cared about building a physical structure along the southern border, if you cared about putting a, a merit-based immigration system in place instead of the lottery system we have now, if you cared about giving a path to legal status for 1.8 million Dreamers and DACA kids, and if you cared about not separating families at the border ever again, no matter who the administration is, then. You should have voted for the bill that I just voted for a few weeks ago that would have not only done those four things, it would have funded that wall. No other bill would have funded that wall. That one did. So missed a golden opportunity, but politics trumped in that issue one more time. Those of us who want to see solutions get angrier and angrier each time we see it fail.
0: How is your district specifically being affected by the lack of immigration reform?
1: Well, my district's a lot different than many of the districts that uh, of the colleagues that I serve with. Look, we don't have a a large immigration issue when it comes to ag immigration. I'm in the land of corn and soybeans. Our immigration issues usually are producers deciding between John Deere and Case IH or or Agco or something a, a larger automating product. Um, but there are a lot of areas in this country uh, and a lot of the products that we enjoy in our grocery stores in Central Illinois come from areas where they have a high need for labor-intensive harvest, labor-intensive planning. And that's why it's important for us to take a a nationwide look at at what's important about getting the healthiest food products into our grocery stores that many in government tell us to eat more of. If we don't have a a common-sense ag labor program, you won't be able to get those Washington cherries during cherry season. You're not going to be able to get tomatoes. And, and oranges, and all the, the other labor-intensive crops that we see grown on the coast and other parts of our country, rather than central Illinois. Even though we have an issue with horseradish, we have an issue with peaches and other products in and around central Illinois, but not as much in my district.
0: Congressman Davis, we want to thank you very much for taking time from your busy schedule to spend with us on this edition of Open Mic. It is Open Mic. You have the last word.
1: Hey, I just want to say thanks, Jeff, and and again, if, if your listeners want to see a good common sense farm bill passed, call your senators, call your members of Congress, let them know that you support this farm bill and you want to see it get across the finish line. If you want to see immigration policy passed, tell Republicans and Democrats in Washington, quit playing politics with this.
0: Our thanks to Illinois 13th District Representative Rodney Davis, our guest this week on Open Mike. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. America's crop insurance industry is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley.